Welcome to the Turning Point Church podcast. We pray that this message takes root in your heart and bears fruit in your life. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church. This series um, uh, has been birthed out of the out of the spirit. We're going to do some things a little bit a little bit different over this time, but this. This series has been birthed out of the Spirit by way of dreams, by way of visions, by ways of prayer. And uh, when we have the Spirit's backing on something, we can expect the Spirit's results. We believe God for freedom. We believe God for transformation. We believe God to do some incredible things in the lives of the people in this room and the lives of the people in the community of Murfreesboro and beyond. God is speaking to us and moving on our hearts. This, this series also, it's, I believe, is driven by the Holy Spirit for the sake of the times that we're in. The times that we're in. And we're going to see great fruit from it. And, and before, we, before we jump into it this morning, uh, before we dive in, uh, I want to honor the incredible team that we have. We are blessed in this church with the best. I do not say that lightly. I say it with all of my heart. We are blessed with the best. Just look around this morning if you haven't noticed already um, the elements and the thoughtfulness that has gone into this into this series. And I will I will tell you this. Um, this has been a team effort from from decor suggestions to to themes throughout the week. We have asked God to speak, and he, he speaks to more than one person. The Spirit of God speaks to more than one person. The Word says that we prophesy in part because we only know in part. So in other words, he only gives pictures of the puzzle, pieces of the puzzles to individuals, so that way when we come together, we get the full picture of God. That's how it works. And so we've seen a beautiful process take place, and I just want to honor the team, our, our staff team. Uh, there have been others that have come alongside to, to make this happen and, and to get it started, but I wonder if you would um, honor and just show your appreciation to our staff, if you would, for all the hard work they have done. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. And to, and to work with the caliber of people and to... And to do life with the caliber of people that we get to um, is just incredible. The hours that it took just to see what you're seeing here, you can you can imagine, uh, and up here as well. And they completely stole every book out of my office, and then some. We had some that were that were donated, but they totally ransacked my office to make it happen. But praise God, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. I hand it over here to Miss Leah, who has some incredible things to to tell you and to get us started. So if you would please welcome Miss Leah, our executive director, and come on, girl. When I was about eight years old, I saw a commercial for Jiffy Peanut Butter. And in this commercial, the little girl went to open a cabinet and the jar of peanut butter fell out and landed on the floor. And then, then they do this zoom in up close to her face where she's going. And then she looks on the floor, but the peanut butter jar is still fully intact. That's about the time they came out with plastic peanut butter jars. Yes, I am old enough to remember 
before that was a thing. And then the commercial ends with, you know, her mom coming in and patting her on the head and smiling, and she never knew the difference, and she just picks up the peanut butter jar and makes her daughter a peanut butter sandwich. Well, a few days later, I went to the kitchen and saw that my mom had bought this jiffy peanut butter jar, and so the plastic peanut butter jar. And I, for some reason, felt compelled to reenact the commercial. So I took it from the bottom cabinet because there was, you know, wasn't much space for it to fall on the floor from there. And I opened where we kept the glasses. And now I'm eight years old, so I can't really fully reach up there, but I could reach the bottom shelf. And so I put it up on the bottom shelf and I closed the cabinet and I stood back and I got ready for my moment. And then I opened the cabinet and the peanut butter jar fall off like that, you know. So... And I thought, you know, it probably needs to be a little bit higher, too. So I went and I got a chair from the dining room and drug it into the kitchen. And I got up on the chair and climbed up on the counter. And I take this peanut butter jar and I put it up on the second shelf. And then I, I'm trying to put it just on the edge of the shelf and kind of close the cabinet slowly so that it's just propping the peanut butter jar up. Because I want it to look fully closed, you know, like I'm going to surprise myself. So I, you know, I work this out, and I climb down the counter, and I get down on the ground, and then I have to stand really way up on my tippy toes, and I, here's my moment. I take a big breath, and I open the cabinet, and the peanut butter jar falls on the ground, and I go. And sure enough, no peanut butter came out of the jar. It was perfectly intact. But something just wasn't quite, you know, complete for me. And if you know me, I kind of like, you know, need to test the limits and push a little bit further, you know? So I decided that it was a good idea to see what would happen if I climbed on the chair that I had brought in and stood up on top of it in the middle of the kitchen and held the peanut butter jar up on top of my head like this. And then I slammed it down as hard as I could onto the kitchen floor. And you know what happened? It exploded and peanut butter went everywhere and it was in my hair and on the chair and on the countertops and right about that time my mom came in and she did not pat me on the head and make me a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> some sort of punishment happened I don't remember what it was that's not the point of the story the point of the story is this story is not really impactful to your life but I bet you the next time you go to make a peanut butter sandwich you're going to think about me <laughs> And the reason that is, is because we are conditioned, created to see things in story. God made our brains that way. Neurologists say that we spend over 30% of our time daydreaming. And that's only when we're not watching, listening to, or telling a story. So most of our lives are about story. Even if you're not living one on the outside, right now in this moment, you are telling yourself a story on the inside about what went on in the car this morning on the way here, about what's going to happen at work tomorrow, probably about wherever I'm rambling off to. You're telling yourself a story. And that's because our brains are always looking for a way to take information, 
take our feelings and organize them in a way that makes sense. We're just trying to make sense of it all, after all. Well, if you'll notice the uh, names on the books, I noticed that I know a lot of you have been pointing out, you've already kind of seen that everyone's name is on a book that's hanging here. And that's to represent we all have our own stories, right? They're all our individual stories. But there's something that brings us all together here in this place that joins us together. We have one story that is the same, and that is Jesus. A couple of months ago, I had a dream, and it was one of those dreams that I woke up from in the middle of the night. And it was a dream that I thought about all the next day and the next week and almost every day since I've had it. It was a bit dramatic. I was visiting a house in the middle of an open field. I couldn't see anything else around me. The sky was kind of a, an odd color of orange. I didn't know whether it was the beginning of a day or the end of one. I go into this house, and I see that it is set up like a restaurant. There are tables and chairs everywhere. And there's a couple of dining room tables off to the left that have people out of the kitchen bringing dish after dish after dish, and they're filling up the buffet table. They're obviously getting ready to feed people. But I noticed a few things. One, I didn't see any meat. It was all vegetables. I had the stream on the fast, so maybe that has something to do with it. But secondly, I noticed there were no fresh fruits and vegetables. It was all canned, jarred kind of food. It all looked like it had been cooked too long. It wasn't very appetizing. But they were preparing to feed a lot of people. And being who I am, I kind of looked around the room and suddenly realized they have way more food than they have seating. They're preparing to feed a lot more people than they can fit in this place. So I started moving tables and chairs around and kind of helping them maximize the space. And then I started going through the house, looking in closets and bedrooms and every place that I could find to see if I could find more tables and chairs. And it took me all the way to the roof where I found a, a rooftop deck up there and they had some outdoor furniture. And some of it was broken and I was kind of saying, well, maybe we could make this chair work with this table and we could fit this together. And I was just trying to to make it, make it work. And I ran into an old man up there on the rooftop. And he said to me, it's going to get worse. I said, what do you mean? He said, there's not going to be any more fresh food. He said, there will be children born in this time that never know what a fresh fruit or vegetable tastes like. And in that moment, I remember thinking about a tomato, because that's one of my favorites, a tomato in the summertime. You like squash. <laughs> and I thought about how juicy and sweet it is, and I tried to memorize what it tasted like. And I felt sad that there are people that would never experience that. And I started to think about, well, I'll have to tell them what it tastes like. And I started to realize kind of the weight of what he was telling me, 
the state that things were in and how serious it was. And I just whispered under my breath, Jesus. And he said, yes, Jesus. He's the only one that can save us. He said, not to know of him, not to love him, not to learn of him. That's not the job. The job is to tell of him. And I walked down the stairs back into the room now full of people eating this food. And I started looking for the tellers, the people that we would send out from this place to go and tell about Jesus and tell that there was hope. And as I was identifying certain people, oh, Brother Bob, he's a teller. Kyla, she's a teller. Tammy Covington, she's a teller. As I started identifying that, God said to me, no, they're all tellers. I woke up from that dream feeling the weight of telling. If you're feeling fear right now about the dream being some sort of end times thing, that's not what I interpret it as. I'm not telling you that we're going to run out of food. That's not what this is about. <laughs> but I did feel that. We have spent so much time learning of him, loving him, worshiping him, and all of that is good. But we're missing the point. I've grown up in church and I've been told all my life that we should go witness. Now, my idea, the picture, the story that I'm telling myself about what witnessing is, is one of two things. Either I'm standing on a street corner with a sign that says, Jesus loves you, and I'm yelling scriptures at oncoming traffic, or I'm going to the grocery store and I'm tapping every person that I pass on the shoulder and saying, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Until somebody stops and gives me the time of day. Neither of those is something that I'm going to do. And that keeps us from telling. So God started explaining to me that there's power in my story in who he's been to me in my own personal, everyday life. And that that story was just as powerful as the ones that I read in the, in the Bible. That story was just as important. And that story has a purpose. And it wasn't just the overarching story. For me, I've grown up in church my whole life. My salvation moment is not my best story. Maybe it's yours. That wasn't mine. My best story is one about God waking me up in the middle of the night to pray for a guy on TV that I don't know and asking me to do that for four years before he introduced me to the person I was praying for. And we shared stories. I told him what God had done in me through prayer 
and he told me what God had done in his life because of my prayers. And we were connected for life. And 10 years later, we're still talking about that. Some of my best stories are when I had, when it, and God was my provider. When in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., I was up because I didn't have an answer for what I knew I would have to face the next day. And God gave me one. That is my story. And those are the kinds of stories that I can tell a friend or a family member, someone that knows me, someone that trusts what I say. Those are the things that will make an impact on them. Those are the things that will show them Jesus, the kind of Jesus that they need. Not the Jesus of me just handing them a Bible and saying, here, read this. Read me. See, I don't think that Jesus is asking all of us to go stand on a street corner. Now, there are some people who have that anointing. Brother Evan and Sister Pat, they'd go stand on a street corner. That's not my story. (laughs) But to sit by a friend in the hospital who's going through chemo and to share a story about how God has healed me, that matters in that moment. That shows them Jesus because I give all of the glory of all that to him. It points to him, but it's a real moment for my life. How many of you have ever seen a commercial for a a new restaurant in town that looks good? You ever seen that, right? kind of tempted. I might check that out. Might add it to my list. Maybe sometime we'll go try it out. But then you come to church and somebody comes up to you and says, have you tried the new steakhouse? Because we went over there the other night and their rolls melt in your mouth. The steak is so tender and juicy. It's the best steak I've ever had in my life. And do not leave without having the chocolate molten cake. It will literally change your life. Somebody comes and tells me that. Ten minutes later, I'm thinking, well, that's where I'm going for lunch. Because someone I know and trust told me that it was good. So this story series, it's not about the Bible stories that we all know and love and have impacted our lives. This story series is about our stories. And over the next several weeks, from now until Easter, we are going to be hearing the real-life stories of people in our congregation. A lot of stories you've never heard. Some maybe you know, but some you don't. I just want to encourage you during this time to join together to learn how to be a storyteller. We're going to take time 
to think about what are the stories in my life that would impact people? How would I tell that to someone? We're going to take the time to do that. We're not just here saying, hey, the word says we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go do it. We're saying, hey, here's why we need to do that. Because no one should have to live without knowing who he is. No one should have to be hopeless. No one who is sick should not know that there is a healer. No one who is lonely should not know that he is there, that he is closer than a brother. No one who feels unloved should go without knowing the love of the Father. Everyone ought to know the hope of Jesus. We all agree. That's why we're here. We're not here for community or to sing pretty songs. We're here because we believe in an answer. And no one should have to go without knowing that answer. So I'm going to ask you to join with me in these weeks ahead in learning how to be a storyteller because we have a cause, we have a reason why that we need to tell how God has impacted our own lives. And you have the story, you have the power in your stories to give them what they need, to give them the answer, the hope, the healer, peace, joy, a comforter in the middle of the night. You have the power to do that. And we're going to equip you to do so. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. And they're going to give you a journal. And we're going to spend just a couple of minutes here. I'm going to ask you one question. I'm not asking you to write a paragraph. I know everyone's not a writer like me. You can go ahead and pass out. I know everyone's not a writer. That's okay. This journal is just for you. I'm inviting you to use it. You're not obligated. If you leave it here on the seat, that's okay. But I hope that you take it home with you, and I hope that you bring it back each week because we're going to have this portion of the service each week for the story series where I ask you a question and I just want you to write down an answer. So as you get your journals, we're going to have Miss um, Kachina sing a song called Beautiful Story. Because he is, he's writing beautiful stories for everyone in this room. And while they sing that, I just want you to take a minute. I just want you to contemplate. And then I want you to write down a story of someone else's, someone else's story, not yours, a story that has impacted your life. You could have seen it in a movie. You could have read it. You could, someone could have told you the story. Or maybe you just watched it unfold by watching someone else. Whatever it may be, one story that impacted you.
I already feel the anointing of the Lord and for what he wants to accomplish during this time. And um, uh, encourage you with these, with these, with these journals. Um, uh, bring them back with you. We're going to, uh, we're going to work on this, work on this together. And uh, I encourage you in this too. Don't miss, a, don't miss a moment. It's always better to be there and to see it and to experience it in person. How many of y'all know that's the truth? Nashville just had its first soccer game, its professional soccer game last night, and we had some that actually went. And it was a big deal in Nashville. Um, but they will tell you to be there made all the difference, to see that first goal in the history of, of, of Nashville for a professional soccer team. We have much more important things that God has called us to. So, so be here. I encourage you to be here and don't miss a moment I'm just going to say a few things and, and, and tie some of, this, some of this in that speaks to the, the power of, of story. And there's a, a company, you may have heard of them, uh, Pixar. Uh, it's a company that started 34 years ago. Pixar started out uh, with one major objective in mind. They wanted to be the first filmmaker to create a full feature-length film completely computer-animated. This was a big task, considering that not even all the software and hardware had been built. They literally had to build solutions to come up with the ideas that they, that they had. And so early on in the development, they had uh, opportunities to do showings of what, they've been, what they had been working on and so it being computer animated was just fascinating. It was, it was gripping. People wanted, to, people wanted to see what it looked like. But here's what they found out, and they found it out very quickly, is that it did not matter how cool it was to have a computer animated feature film if there was not a good story. They were expecting people to fall all over themselves for the fact that this is animated and the other is hand-drawn. But the fact is that nobody cared that it was computer animated because the story wasn't any good. And so what they learned from the very beginning is this, that story is king. Story is king. That's a good phrase. I think we, we changed that and we adopt it. The story is the king. That's our phrase. That's our motto. The story is the king. I just want to come back and just, and just uh, reiterate and, and reinforce some of the things that, that, that Leah was saying and because of the importance of this. Um, what, we, what we have in story, we see it, whether it's in the movies that we watch, the, the TV shows, even the video games that are played, story is, is there. Jesus told parables. Stories. He told stories. To communicate deeper meanings of the kingdom, he told stories. This is what this is about. This is what it looks like. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, in the beginning to amen, it's the story of all stories. The story of all stories. Alpha and Omega. John concluded his gospel. John 21, 25, and he says, and there are also many things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books which were written. The stories, the stories. It is the story that every other story 
in human history is connected to. The one story that every other story is connected to because it has one author. We were visiting last week, our families, we were visiting with the Coddington family and just come, it just came up in conversation. And, and Aaron, Aaron, their, their boy, their, their youngest, there he is, there he is. I thought you were working with the kids, man, you're, you're in here. But there is something that he said that came up in conversation that, that proves the involvement of a divine God being the author. Because with an author of a book, pick any book, pick any book, every single one of these books has an author. And every single word, punctuation, sentence, everything can be attributed back to that author. Every single bit in that book. And that's the way it is with our God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Tell me a story. The story series, what is this about? It's about witness. Let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily entangles us. Excuse me. And let us run with endurance the race that is set. A story is form stories that are formed into books. That's the basic understanding of it. In any given story, think, think of a movie. Think of, uh, think of a TV show that you enjoy. There are many different elements that make up that one story. They contribute to the effectiveness of it. So it's one author, one story, billions of strokes, words and phrases that all come together. God is the author. Everything else ties back to him. And I want to tell you this. Every story matters. Every story matters. Your story matters. More than you could ever imagine. Listen, your story is so significant. Hear me on this. Your story is so significant that the author, creator, said, it wouldn't be my story if you weren't in it. How important is your life and your story important enough for the God of all to say before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and to put you right smack dab in the middle of the story. If you weren't an important character, he wouldn't have written you in. But he did. The author of all wrote your name. Wrote your name into the story. Glory to God. Never let the enemy steal your purpose and your significance. We are the sons of God, the daughters of God. Significance, the purpose. There's no greater life purpose, no greater identity, no greater privilege than what we have. That is something to be told. The reason why story is so powerful is simply because it's life. Story is the record of life. This is the record of lives. We have to stop looking at this as some, as some fairy tale or looking at this as just stories. It's life. These are lives. Paul is my brother. Paul is your brother. Peter is your brother. They're real lives. We may not be blood, but I'm telling you what, we share the same heart. I have wanted to pattern my life 
after the way that man wrote psalms to God. I have wanted to be able to sing and write like that. My favorite verse, at, and, and was my life verse at one point, was Psalm 45.1. It says, it says, my heart overflows with a, good, with a good theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Stole it from Granddaddy David. Why does it matter? Because it is, it is life. It is a story of life. The story where faith began was the story with, with God and Abraham. He was the father of faith, the granddaddy of them all. This isn't just some foreign literature. But here's the last thing I, I, I want to I tell you. God, God, is, God is speaking so many wonderful things. This is, this is something that, that just I got giddy about. Revelation 12, 11. We're going we're gonna to skip those other verses, Maddie, and if you could pull up Revelation 12, 11 for me. Thank you, sir. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. And they overcame him. That means the, the evil one. They overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word, the testimony. Have you ever heard anybody say, the way you get a testimony is the test comes first. Test is the test in testimony. But if we really want to know the power of story, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony he put the word of their testimony in the same sentence as the blood of the lamb. Connected the power of the words and the stories that we have to tell with the very blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ. How significant, what significant, what is the power of story? The word of our testimony of what Jesus has done in us. There is victory for you in it. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. There's victory for you in sharing your story, and there's salvation for those who hear it. There's salvation. Remember the woman at the well. Ran into town. Come and hear. Come and meet a man who told me everything about me. He just read me my story. Come and meet him. Come and experience it. Meet the person who told me my story. Because this one encounter, my story will never be the same. Because that one encounter changed her, changed a community. What we have, just in this room alone, can transform a community. What we have available to us, just the stories. I look around this room, I know some of you, some of you I've known for years, some I haven't known as long, but for the most part, I know many of the stories that are in this room. And just by these stories, do you realize we cover every gambit of what God promises to us in his word? Whether it's healing, whether it's promises fulfilled, whether it's restoration, whether it's, whether it's families reuniting, whatever it is, it is covered by the, by the collective group in this room. Every story that needs to be told is here and available if we will share it. We will share it. I want us to pray this morning. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray for a couple of things. We're going to pray for our personal story to come alive in each of us and for that courage to share. 
And we're also going to pray for our store to have a powerful effectiveness to everyone who hears it. That's where we're going to start this morning. Are you on board with us? You want to go in this together? We want to travel in this story series. I'm telling you, the things that are coming and leading up time. I believe that dream that Leah had was prophetic. And it speaks to us. It's time for us to respond to it. Come on, let's stand. We're going to pray. P. Russ, if you would, yes, come back quickly. Your team, come back quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray this. The secret to prayer is authenticity. Every time. It's not how fancy you can phrase it. It's about being authentic. It's about being genuine. It's about saying yes to God with your whole heart. That's what it's about. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. To stay connected, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.